Uh, well, it'll be interesting. We're about to let uh, the folks of Tilray in, but it'll be interesting, listeners, to see how Harry splices our last two pods together because we recorded a pod yesterday, which I guess he'll put after. I, I don't know, but um, hopefully he takes out everything he was supposed to take out. So Harry, being in a mood this morning, texts us, oh, I've already had such a such a morning and, and sends us a snapshot of his text between himself and YY. This is Harry talking to yy in text form i woke up and opened the back door to let biscuit out and got in the shower big mistake during that time biscuit somehow let milo out of your room one of them shit (laughs) (laughs) one of them shit in the living room and then they escaped the house and went on sabbatical for 30 minutes around the neighborhood i finally found them and got them back in the house these dogs they are both out of control and then wyatt texts one word I'm O-N-O-N-W back, which <laughs> readers you may you may discern should have said O-M-W on my way as the youngins write. <laughs> what do you make of this, Jordan? Well, it's funny because I went I went to go get uh, Harry with boxes yesterday and I was supposed to be there at 930, knocked on the door. Nobody <laughs> answered. And so I walked around the back. And there Harry was sitting in his hot tub at, <laughs> at 930. Just, yeah, just reading and just having a good old time in the bathtub <laughs> or a hot tub, treating oh. it like a bath. And, um, oh. and then once he got inside and got changed, he was like, oh, I want you to meet YY's dog. This dog's a menace. And he opened the door <laughs> and there was Milo on the bed, <laughs> chat on the bed. <laughs> And then he just closed the door and he's like, eh, we'll meet him later. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so amazing. I mean, it's a bachelor pad. There's a bunch of disgusting boy and boy adjacent people living in that house. <laughs> and by boy adjacent, I mean the dogs. At least one of them is a girl. Today on BeerNet Radio, we'd like to welcome the folks of Tilray, CEO Erwin Simon and U.S. Bear Division President Ty Gilmore. And then just to recap yesterday, you guys reported Q2 earnings with uh, beverage net revenues up about 117% to just under, I believe, $47 million in the quarter ended November 30th, aided by the eight or so new brands you acquired from AB last fall. Uh, and I believe you said you saw about 10% organic glo- growth for your BevOut portfolio Though, you know, Bev gross margins sunk a bit due to the new additions, but obviously y'all are trying to right-size that now. Um, well, since we're already talking about the new, some of the new beverages, um, you've got the water, you've got a whole lineup for Shock Top. What else can you share about the new stuff you're bringing to market and also what you're doing to fine-tune, best-tune your new AB brands? So, Jen, I'm going to start first here. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned the numbers and Ty will talk about it, how we were able to do that. But being up, you know, 10% mm-hmm. in our legacy businesses, um, you know, Sweetwater, Montauk, Reflash, um, Alpine and Nelson, mm-hmm. um, where beer, you know, overall beer sales were down, beer revenue, I think is a great attribute to Ty and his team. So that's number one. Um, I love to compliment when compliments are, are due. And that is a lot about, you know, new distribution. And Ty will talk about it and some of the innovation that he came out with, whether it was gummies and some of the other new Montauk beers that we came out with in Pumpkin and some of the Nelson uh, and Green Flash and Alpine stuff that we're doing in the West Coast. So I first come back and talk about what we are able to do in our legacy businesses in a tough market in the beer category. Um, and just to come back, when we acquired, you know, when we acquired Sweetwater in late 2020, as a company, we were doing probably, you know, just over two, two and a half million cases of beer. And then we acquired, you know, the West Coast brands, and then we acquired Montauk. So we've gone from two and a half, three million cases to five million cases, and now going to 12 million cases of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone from probably 100 distributors to 434 distributors or 450 distributors. Um, we've gone from having two facilities now to six facilities. We've gone from having two brew houses to 12 brew houses. Um, 
you know, today we probably within our beer group today in, in manufacturing, production, sales, marketing, over a thousand people. So a lot has happened within the beer industry. And I think the big thing that I'm going to, you know, come back and, you know, um, applaud Ty and his team for is this is just within a year. Just think what we really will make happen when we have some more time on our side and we're able to execute quickly. We're able to get to market. We're able to establish great relationships with our distributors, partners out there and get to the retail trade. And I think the whole thing you've heard me say is how we make beer cooler. And beer is just not for males to be drinking or not just to be drank, you know, at sporting events or concerts. How is beer become a bigger part of our life, whether it's non-alc, low alcohol, higher alcohol, you know, fun type of beer, et cetera. So I think what we're trying to do is change a lot within the beer industry. And that is a lot of the new innovation. That is a lot of the, the distribution. But bringing in Gen Z, bringing more females into drinking beer. Um, as you come back today, the spirits industry is going through its challenge when you go into a bar today and buy a spirit or a cocktail, it's 18 to $22 if you get, you know, a shot out there. You know, you can get some a good beer. Depends where, $6, $8 and whatever. So from a value standpoint, there's a lot of value in beer. And what's happened in the beer industry from some of the big three, there's a lot of fallout there. So there's a lot of opportunities with us. So... Now I'll turn it over to Ty and tell you what he's doing to pick up on those opportunities and why, you know, from a Tilray standpoint, we're excited. We're real excited about the growth with our legacy business. And we're really excited about the new, you know, beer brands that we've acquired. Yeah, no, I think, I think Erwin hit on all the, the, the key points there. I'll just reiterate. I think, you know, from, from our point of view, it starts with our distributors in our relationships and, and partnerships that we built with our distributors. They're the ones that have to go out and ultimately execute every day. And so when you talk about the 10% organic growth, I think the team has done a really, really good job of partnering, listening, keeping it simple with our distributors. Mm-hmm. Two, um, you know, the, the retail environment, you know, whether it be on or off premise chains or the, the IR market, I think we've done a really, really effective job of really understanding where our brands play in what channels and what segments and making sure that we're driving, you know, great distribution, building our distribution, et cetera. And then you start thinking about Q2 specifically on the numbers, you know, gummies had a huge, had a huge play in the growth in Q2 and, you know, the brand's not even five months old and we're seeing a lot of strong repeat purchase. We're seeing, I think we're, you know, up to almost 30,000 uh, points of distribution over the last uh, four or five months. Uh, we launched half a gummies in the on-premise, um, kind of a lower ABV, but still that fruit forward IPA. Uh, Montauk continues to do extremely well in the Northeast. Um, you know, we, we just rolled out in Florida and a couple markets we rolled out in Georgia. And then as Erwin said, you go, you go out West and you look at you know, we're building momentum with Sweetwater in, in Colorado, where we have a tap room. And uh, we're, we're starting to, to, you know, now we've kind of gotten our skew optimization right on Alpine and Green Flash. Uh, we're starting to see some uh, some positive trends on that, which you put all that together, you know, with Sweetwater organically being up a couple points, uh, which again, as Erwin said, not a lot of brewers can talk about that. That's how you get to that 10% organic growth. So and, and Montauk was part of that, you said, right? Because yeah. it, it was it, part of the quarter. It was organic, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we we I think we closed the deal uh, November seventh of last year. Okay. So it Got was it. part of the quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And have you guys shared, you know, speaking of that being part of it, when you're going to take Montauk National? Because you guys have spoken a lot about your regional and national approach, as well as some of the innovation scale plays. Um, but you know, when we talk about scaling certain brands, Montauk seems to be at the front of the list. Can you share any detail on that? I'm sure distributors are clamoring for it. I, I, I think, you know, again, here, here's the big thing. And I, and as we look at it and we've had lots of discussions, we've worked with, you know, BCG on this here, 
what should be regional brands and sold within a region and what should we, you know, invest our money on national. And, you know, we believe Shock Top is a national brand and, you know, spending against that is important for us and getting that into the distribution and getting that into consumers' hands. And remember, Shock Top was advertised on the Super Bowl, you know, a few years ago. Um, and it, it will be a great competitor to a blue moon and something like that. So um, that foremost is something that we should be going national with. Um, Montauk is well known, you know, and I think from a standpoint, it's a great beer. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, where we should go with it national, but I'll tell you what, getting Montauk into distribution, which the team is doing right now, um, and I happened to be at a Nick game last night. It's amazing. I had a Montauk hat on because it was very rainy here, number one, and I like to wear our swag. It's amazing how many people ask me, where do I buy this? I wish I could be sold it, selling it at MSG, okay? How many people ask me for my hat, okay? But I come back and say, if we can get Montauk into New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, that's 100 million people. That's big distribution there. So I think what we got to come back, Jen, and look at where we spend the dollars to get our biggest bang for the buck instead of just rolling it out nationally and get little pockets out there where we could take the dollars and make a bigger impact on the regional side of the business. And I think that's what we're looking at. So Ty, jump in here. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think you know we're we continue to be excited about when you look at the work that we did with BCG, specifically around Montauk, how that brand can kind of cross over between male and female, right? It's very, it's very soft to uh, the consumer, and the packaging is absolutely amazing when you get multiple points of distribution. So, um, you know, there's energy around expanding it out of the Northeast. But to Irwin's point, we're not going to lose focus on the size of prize in the Northeast and uh, the opportunities that we have. And when when you have a brand, you know, up double digits in that area, um, we're gonna continue to lean into it. You know, we're we're gonna go into year two with the, the Montauk uh, Mets and City Field sponsorship, which is huge, you know? Yeah. We're gonna lean into to, to Saratoga even more than what we did, did this year. And uh, we have a couple other things that that we're working on. Um, you, you could see markets like Chicago, um, which has, you know, indexes, CDI, BDI for craft is really high. And there's been a lot of consumer interest for the brand, um, just like some markets in Florida. So we're going to be strategic as we look at that. But um, Shock Top, again, we think that has, it's nationally today, right? It used to be five or six times bigger than what it is today. And we're going to absolutely have fun with that brand and lean in. And uh, we got a lot of distributors and retailers excited about um, what we're going to do. Hence some of the things I showed behind me. I wanted to jump in real quick. You mentioned um, leveraging regional footholds on the call yesterday. Um, and one thing that caught my attention was you said um, the possible introduction of multi-brand best of variety packs. Is that what I think it means putting, you know, an array of your brands into one variety pack exactly and i think that gives the opportunity for consumers to try all our products um you know you buy a six pack or a 12 pack of one brand here you can buy a six pack or a 12 pack and get two or three different beers and different varieties so you know and you come back and look you know in, in stores today where you have Frito-Lay does a great job of a snack pack variety of all their different snacks. And, you know, other companies out there with their consumer package goods does all this variety of snacks. So we think it will be a big hit and a little bit of a logistical, you know, standpoint nightmare for us to do. But uh, we've come up with a way to do it because our beers are made in different, you know, regions and stuff like that. But uh, we think that will be a big winner for us. Yeah you know, a pack out there that's a variety pack with, uh, you know, multiple brands in there. And, right. and it's great for us too, because it gets them to sample where they may not get that opportunity to try gotcha. that because it's not sold in their marketplace. Yeah, you think about the ultimate IPA pack, the ultimate lager pack, the ultimate hazy pack, the ultimate, 
you know, fruited IPA pack, like, you know, where, where, you know, one supplier would have to create, you know, under a one brand, multiple SKUs. I mean, we can pick the best of the best, right? Whether it be, you know, Montauk, Sweetwater, Widmer, and, in Breck, or if we want to throw an Alpine Green Flash, like it, it gives us a lot of uh, autonomy to have some fun. And I think that's, you know, you talk about the Gen Z consumer and how we recruit, you know, more females into, into, into beer. Like this is how we're going to continue to start to do that. Um, and, and we have the platform, we have the facilities, we have the expertise to bring this to life, uh, which is exciting. Yeah. And, and, and I think the other thing, just as we're looking at here, is packaging. Um, we're looking to bring bottles back. Um, we're looking to do different size and cans. So there's a lot we're looking to do from a packaging size standpoint. And if we do mini cans, which we're looking at, and how does that become a bigger pack for us? In Costco's and club stores, do we do 36 packs? So, which can be band together, could be, you know, a Blue Point, a Montauk, and a Sweetwater, which would be a 312 that would be a band together. So, there's lots we're looking to do in regards to packaging. Um, and again, you know, bottles seem to have gone away. Now, consumers like bottles again. And Ty will tell you about some of the stuff we're doing in bottles with Montauk and we're introducing. So, Ty. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think vessel, vessel types are so important as we think about, you know, again, recruiting new consumers. I mean, you know, the, the, there, there might be the consumer that wants the 16 ounce, the 19, two or the, the 24 ounce. Right. But I think, you know, um, there's a lot of females that, that love beer and sure would like to have it in an eight ounce can, um, or an eight ounce glass bottle. And so we're, we're going to do that. And, yeah, I mean, we just launched Montauk uh, glass bottles. We're launching Blue Point in glass bottles. Um, you know, we're launching a, a new brand, Pub Ice, um, in six-pack glass bottles. Uh, we're going to go compete in the the FMB space. We think this has national appeal overnight, which is going to be exciting. Are, are you taking um, a different direction with Shock Top? Um, I'm, when I think of Shock Top, I've always kind of thought of it in glass bottles. Um, are you trying to bring that brand back more to cans? No, I think I think it's going to be both, right? I mean, you, you look at the you look at the mix today. You know, they do a, a fair amount in in you know six pack, twelve pack glass bottles. They do a lot in fifteen pack cans. Um, There's still a big on premise uh, play with that brand, but you know, we're not going to walk away with bottles. Um, and it's it's going to be it's going to be a balance, right? I think the the the, the the fun and exciting thing about Shock Top is that brand has life, right? It has the wedge head. It has a it has a cool character that we can do so much with. That character had a a, a, a mullet and pit vipers a couple months ago on Instagram, and uh, you know we're gonna have fun with that in an authentic way. And you know we think that you know it also the brand has a right to go play in the hard tea space. You know non carbonated. High ABV, you know, no one's playing in that space today, and we we uh, we're really really bullish on uh, what we're going to do, you know, and you know Jordan whether that that shows up in you know the first ever hard tea in a glass bottle or in an eight ounce can, time will tell shortly. So, when will that launch? Is that launching imminently? And yeah, uh, I'd say within the next uh, thirty to forty five days. Okay. And, and is that, so I want to dig a little bit deeper on shock top. Um, cause that seems to be your top priority. If not one of your top priorities, would you. All, all, all these brands are our priorities. They're, They're all your babies. We've talked course. about this. We, we have to treat them all equal. Right. Jim. Right. 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 Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say you got four, I have four kids. I love them all equal. So right. we love a brand. <laughs> I think we have, I think you have said exactly that to me before Irwin. So touche fair, fair and same. I have two and I love them equally. Jordan's lucky he only has one, so he doesn't have to choose. Just one so far. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. But um no, but I'm curious. So how many markets is Shock Top in now? Because as you guys mentioned, it's retrenched a bit. And I know there may have been some distribution to synergies there. So how are you guys working through that? Yeah. Um, as far as uh Shock Top's in all 50 states. 
Okay, um, it is so still. And, and, and Canada, don't forget Canada. Canada. Right? So it's in North America. So yeah. Shock Top is a North a North American brand. Um, and then and, and maybe international sooner than, than we even know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think from a from a distributor perspective, yes, there's some with this acquisition, you know, there were some legacy, you know, Sweetwater or Montauk distributors that didn't have AB AB brands or vice versa. And so we have to work with that. But again, um, I go back to if you keep it simple and you understand how important distributor partners are to you, um, there really shouldn't be any dis-synergies, right? It's just, it's another conversation. And um, when done the right way um, and being able to partner and align on a couple things, um, I feel like we have the team that can go and do that. So I, I, I actually view that as a positive thing, right? So you know, when we can walk into distributor A and you know they have you know brands one, two, and three, and we walk into distributor B and they have four, five, and six, like, you know, we can have some fun with that. And we all know that this is a very, very competitive industry and uh, people like to win. And we we can do that in a, in a really good way. But I think the big thing about Shock Top is this here. Um, number one, as, as Ty said, it's probably in all 50 states in Canada. Um, but I think the problem, you know, listen, uh, distribution in those 50 states is definitely not at your highest levels. Sure. If you come back when we talk about the brands that we've acquired today, the highest recall is Shakta. Okay. So it's the most well-known brand out of any brand that we recently acquired. So with that, that's why I said before, you know, putting our dollars and 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 putting our marketing, our distribution efforts against Shock Top is big for us. And it just got lost in the ABI system. And, you know, it was a product to come out to compete with Blue Moon. And I think it really is a great wheat beer and uh, um, has tremendous opportunity. But as Ty said, it may be in 50 states today in, in Canada, but you know, our distribution is, you know, to be desired. And that's where we have to really expand that. And I, and I come back and say this here, our distributors so far that we've talked to want it. And that's a big thing. They want this product. Yeah. It's, well, it it's, uh, it, it's pretty, it's pretty telling when you look at effective distribution on shock top growth or decline, um, depletion trends follow and that's been my message and, and my team's message to our distributors and to retailers is that we actually have a healthy brand. Um, it, it just has gone kind of um, untouched for a few years. And so we're going to bring that love and touch back to it and uh, be really, really smart. And we, we have strong aspirations on what the brand is going to do. Mm -hmm. And have you guys, because Erwin, you mentioned investment behind the brand a few times, have you guys shared like what your investment, your marketing investment will be for Shock Topper or any of your beverage brands, how big that is for marketing? You know, we, we have not shared total dollars yet, but you know, um, it's bigger than anything we've ever spent within, you know, Tilray today. And I think as we break up the dollars, what we're going to spend in you know, advertising, um, what we're going to spend in regards to partnerships at stadiums, what we're going to spend, you know, in regards to partnerships at universities today and sampling. So it, it's a bigger budget than we've ever spent out there um, to, you know, to get, to get these brands back out there. And you have to do that today. You have to, you know, the, the thing is the beer industry and, and being a new newbie to it and Ty's been there for 24 years and you guys have been around. When I walk into a store today and I look at the beer section, it's like, what the hell am I going to buy here? Okay. There's Ambers, there's IPAs, there's all kinds of different beers. And it remind me of my days at, at Hain with Celestial Season. I looked at the tea section I buy green tea, herb tea, black tea, but at the end of the day, 
brand, 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 brand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the big thing today is how do we get the awareness of our brands out there? How do we get our brands known? And that's the first thing. And our brands, you know, when we've done work and research on it, there's some good recall out there on our brands. But we have to get them in front of, you know, consumers out there that know our brands. And I think it's important, too, as we're building out Tilray Beverages, no different than, you know, customer today that knows what's part of Molson Coors, what's part of Constellation, what's part of ABI, that there is our 12 brands. It's all under Tilray Beverages today. And we are a craft brewer that's doing all these unique innovation. We can't have each brand just be an independent brand stand on its own. It's got to be part of a family. Mm -hmm. But how about, you know, beverages, right? Not just beer, but you also have spirits. And I'd be surprised if you didn't get deeper into spirits soon, but you guys have also mentioned water, energy. How do you prioritize which beverage opportunity you'll go after next? Listen, I come back and I think this here, number one, as I've said before, we have six facilities. We have, you know, some pretty efficient production capabilities. I think as we step back and we see as what we're doing on the water business, what we're doing on the iced tea business, what we're doing in regards to our Long Island iced tea. Um, and then what we're doing, we're talking to our distributors and saying, where's the void out here? But we don't want to come out with, Jen, it's just another Me Too product. And we also know this here, you just can't stack them high and watch them fly anymore. What is our plan behind it to get consumer awareness and trial? And, you know, there's a big focus on us to really grow our convenience store business where a lot of beer is sold. Okay. There's a big focus on us to get into club stores where there's multi-packs. Uh, there's a big, you know, focus on us to get with more and more on a national chains, whether it's the Kroger, the Albertsons, the Walmarts of the world. And how do we make sure we get in there on all stores, not just the regional ones. So, uh, it, it's all the components of it. So if we're doing something here with the Mets and we're doing something with the Yankees, we better have an integrated sales marketing program with all the retailers in this marketplace and letting them know we're part of the Mets, part of the Yankees. And that's the same with some of the stuff that we're doing in, you know, in Atlanta with Sweetwater. Um, I wanted to ask about your entrance into the water business. Um, can you can you share how that came about? I mean, how do you craft a, a water brand these days? Mm -hmm. And also with Highball, um, have you made any changes to the brand that you acquired? Is the formula still the same? Um, have you done any tweaks to that brand um, in this new launch of Highball? Yeah, I'll let you talk about Highball, but I'll tell you what, it's amazing how many emails I get from customers Um asking me where they can buy highball, highball because of being discontinued previous. And I send them all to tie, but uh, <laughs> um, it's incredible how many customer calls I get on that. Ty? Yeah, I, on, on highball specifically, um, no, I mean, obviously we have the recipes. And so our plan is to bring those same recipes back. The majority of that volume was going through Amazon uh you know when we when we made this acquisition and so um we're working back through amazon we have a lot of distributors as you know are diversifying their portfolio and looking to get into energy and so um you know could could, could there be a, a refresh at some point on on highball absolutely um are you guys going to hear about a a highball beverage innovation that's going to launch in uh that's going to launch in you know april um absolutely um, you know, could it could it show up in a uh, 16.9 ounce plastic vessel, um, resealable? Maybe. Um, so we're we're uh, we're pretty excited about uh, where we're going to go um, around the uh, liquid love our water initiative. Um, that's actually a tremendous story, um, and that that came about. Erwin uh, and I were together. I think probably not even a month ago. And we were just looking at trends and in beverage and what was going on. And, you know, you, there's a, there's a brand out there, um, you know, that has a really unique name. I'm not sure I would 
launch a brand with uh, those two words together, but they're doing Is well. Is it death water? It's or liquid water? <laughs> it's liquid water, liquid death. Jeez. Yeah. So we, we, we think, there's a, we think there's a, uh, there's a different play, right? And, you know, for us, it's love for the planet, love for life, love for what we do. And, um, you know, with six production facilities, um, you know, with our cause marketing campaign on wanting to give back, uh, something that's very important to Tilray Brands globally, Irwin, you know, myself, um, you know, Liquid Love came together like a lot of our innovation, you know, not through a, a 20 gate stage process that takes two years. Um, it comes together with us kind of kicking the tires and talking about, you know, how can we go be authentic and true and give our distributors and our retailers um, something to be excited about and ultimately consumers, you know, in some of our initial conversations, something that, that they would they would have some fun with. And so um, it came together really quick. It's a it's, it's kind of a funny story. But I think that's the big thing is this here. You know, we come up with products, we test them very quickly. And we're not going to come up with products that we're not testing. So we, we test them, you know, with our consumer panels and we get out there. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always liked about being entrepreneurial, nimble and flexible is, you know, and that was always the biggest complaint we'd hear is every time we want to come up with a new product, we could never get it out. We could never get the approvals and stuff like that on companies that we acquired. Um, so, and it's interesting because you think about it, we have manufacturing facilities, we have, you know, the ability to sell the products. We have close to a hundred salespeople out there today. We have a national account team. And then we have something called a distributor partnership. And we go to our distributors and ask them what they think, because they're the one that's going to sell it. And we don't want to have to force them to take the product if they don't think they can sell it and not going to get behind it. And then we'll do our consumer paneling and our consumer testing to see what they think. And there's times we'll even bring it into our brew pubs and see what happens there. So we, we have a lot of resources to get an answer very quickly. And, you know, I think we have a story behind, you know, where, 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 where you know, did gummies come from? It came from one of our largest distributors sitting in a distributor advisory meeting down in Atlanta. Now he's looking for a royalty on it, but, uh, <laughs> That's a difference, but that's 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 where it came from. You tell him that runs afoul of three tiers, so you can't. Sorry, <laughs> don't Good tell point. him I said that. Good point. Make sure you tell him that. <laughs> I will. <laughs> that's an inducement. No, that doesn't. Anyway, um, I want to switch gears just briefly so that we can get uh some of the other questions in too. Um, you know, you guys talked about re d any sort of marijuana scheduling yesterday on the call, um. How quickly, if you even wanted to, do you think you would be able to parlay your beverage brands onto that side if that were to happen? So, Jen, I would say this here. If tomorrow I could, if Ty could produce and we could sell a product that was infused with THC, mm -hmm. he could sell it in the U.S., I couldn't project the sales volume that could be done out there, okay? And I guess also... Um, there's a debate whether if you take a drink, THC drink, uh, are you still observing dry January? Okay. <laughs> <You're> Cali sober. <laughs> um, and I see what's happening in our Canadian business with our THC infused drinks and they're sold for, you know, six, $7 a can. They're only sold in cannabis stores and, you know, it's grown into a nice business for us in a country with a population about 40 million people and, you know, at least half the population, you know, is underage, so they can't use it. So I come back and I look at the size and how big that could be in the Canadian, in the U.S. market. Mm -hmm. I also come back and look at, you know, if descheduling happens and medical cannabis happens and you're ultimately allowed to sell products from a medical standpoint, you know, I was watching the CEO of Eli Lilly yesterday and him talking about coming up for medications in regards to helping you sleep for anxiety and for pain. So just think if we ever could, you know, introduce drinks into the marketplace, 
that not so much our energy drinks, but our health drinks that we could say, or drinks that could help with sleep, could help relax you, could help give you a good lift or a buzz, yeah. um, what that could do and how big the volume could be there. So, you know, again, from a descheduling standpoint, um, that would be big for Tilray Beverages. Um, it, you, you see CBD drinks out there today that, you know, make all those claims. And there is some THC drinks being sold in stores today. Now, they have to be sold in each state, but I think there's some some sold in grocery stores that shouldn't happen, and we can't do that. But if we ever could do it, you know, from a regulatory standpoint, we could ever do it, you know, in short, from a legality standpoint, um, we could sell it through the marketplace. I, I think would be one of the biggest opportunities in the drink category. But would you use like have, Sweetwater? I would have would no you... problem. I would yeah. have no problem making his numbers then for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I come back and say this here, what would we use? I would look at different brands mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure I wouldn't take some of our Canadian brands yeah, sure. and yep. bring them here and stuff like that. And you mentioned um, CBD and some of the THC drinks. What do you make of the hemp derived um, cannabis, uh, hemp derived Delta nine market that's kind of popping up in States and, more and more retailers are kind of taking it on. Is that something you're following or? Yeah, it's something absolutely I'm following and absolutely we're looking at. And with Manitoba Harvest, you know, being one of the largest hemp infused foods out there, um, you know, that is something that we're going to have to get into and be into. So, you know, but, you know, being who we are, you know, it just very much we follow the legalities and, you know, where we can sell it, where we can't, where a smaller company can go out there and take that risk and do it. We, we just will never sell. We never sell a cannabis product in the U.S. today because they're not federally legal. And we will not sell CBD products into in, into markets today where it's not legal from the FDA or, or whatever. So we, we are very strict on that. Understood. Anything Jen? else, Jay? Okay. Um, well, I guess one of my last questions would just be, I know you guys did a lot of work with Boston Consulting. Um, and you guys have mentioned Gen Z a few times, you know, as related to that. And I'm curious, what are they telling you specifically about Gen Z? Because we've done some surveys of readers and one of the top things suppliers are worried about is Gen Z and that they don't seem to be drinking as much as other generations when they were at, you know, becoming of legal drinking age. So what are you guys finding out about whether that's true or not via this partnership with Boston? So I'll take that first and having four kids <laughs> um, and seeing it firsthand. Um, absolutely not drinking. On the other hand, you know, I think, you know, are they not indulging in cannabis? Absolutely. Okay. And I think anybody that comes back and thinks cannabis sales do not cannibalize, um, other beer or spirits it, it absolutely does mm -hmm. okay um and that's again where we have to spend time around college campuses and be there as part of sporting events part of fraternities part of that to get them introduced to our our beers as they become of age etc um but again gen z you know i have a son that's Funny, he's not, you know, legal to drink yet, but he can, you know, he's he he does drink. Um, and uh, again, that is a big generational gap that we don't want to lose because, you know, they're going to be your, you bring them in as your customer base, they can be a customer base for a long time. So that's an, and and that's some of the you know work that came back from um, BCG. Mm -hmm that Gen Z are not drinking. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an opportunity. I think, you know, one of the things that becomes really clear is um, that they, they might be drinking less, um, but there are occasions that they do like to drink, right? And then, so how do you find the right brands and the right occasions to give them that opportunity, right? And, and you can start to see some other trends, whether it be, 
you know, low to no alcohol, the high alcohol, right? And then everything in between isn't doing well. And so how do you start to position that um, becomes really, really important. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a big opportunity, but I also think, you know, within the, 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 the Gen Z, there's, you know, I think females become a really, really important, you know, strategic plank for us. And how do we recruit more consumers into beverage alcohol? Right. And um, I, I think, you know, that uh, craft brewers have, you know, been okay with, you know, kind of Caucasian guy 40 plus and have done really, really well on that. And as Tilray Beverages, uh, we're looking at this different, right? Hence why we're, you know, coming out with, you know, shock top hard tea, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of Gen Z drinking that number one hard tea out there right now. I, I see it firsthand. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of female in Gen Z uh, drinking, you know, Smirnoff Ice and Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hence why we're coming out with Pub Ice, original screwdriver and fruit punch. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we um, we 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 can see now through all the data and all the consumer research uh, what's happening and how we're going to go and, and recruit uh, those consumers the right way. And I think Erwin made a really, really good point. Like. Like sometimes it's just how you build greater awareness, right? I mean, we we just signed a huge deal in Florida with um, uh, a blue and orange uh, sporting team, uh, college Gators? team oh, with Shock Top, and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, to to be announced. And so, cool. you know, that's that's going to be really really exciting um, in the southeast. And we're working on a deal with a really big school out out west, and. Uh, we got some things going on in the middle of the country. And so we 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 just know there's this playbook that um that we can build on on how we go and recruit Gen Z, let them to come in and, and try and sample um in a in a very authentic and responsible way. Um and that's you know, that's what you hear us saying is that we're gonna be the leader in beverage, right? Um across all segments, and we're gonna have a diversified portfolio. Uh, for the, the that Gen Z 21 year old that doesn't want to drink alcohol, um, you know, we got water, we got energy. Uh, we might have a couple other things, you know, that person that wants to get into something, you know, and be local, they can get it at, in Portland, Bend, you know, Atlanta, Long Island. So that that's how we're going to continue to look at this. Yeah. But I think, you know, as we come back, that is such a big opportunity for us to bring Gen Z to go after that college of age drinking. But just coming back to what Ty said before, we continuously see wine sales plummet. Mm -hmm. And what we look is how do we get those consumers that are not drinking wine or less wines? And, you know, as I, as I was with someone the other day, it's in, when you buy wine today, and I'm not a wine drinker, but you buy wine by price. $20, not more than $20. Mm -hmm. But I think our big thing is how do we go after that consumer that was a wine drinker? How do we go after that female population? Because female population, you know, is almost the same as men out there. So we can get 10, 20% more females drinking beer. That's a big, big opportunity for us. And uh, so, you know, there, there is definitely the demographics. There's definitely in regards to different sexes that want to drink beer and then, you know, going after a, the next generation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where some of the, you know, bigger beer companies have gone through and will go through some of their challenges. Well, I have an idea guys, like the hydration workout milk, like core power. Yeah. A little vodka to it. Yeah. <laughs> You're knocking out two brews with one. Then you have an NA version. No, I'm kidding. I was, we were joking. Well, about no, you, you're day. not, you're not wrong because you come back <laughs> in the morning, you know, you keep thinking about it. I've been at this a long time, you know, with our teas, with our kombuchas, with cold pressed juices, et cetera. And they've all gone through, you know, the next phase and, you know, where's energy drinks going. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I still come back and say THC will be one of the biggest movers out there. But as you look at cold pressed coffee in the morning and some of the stuff we can do there and we're looking at there, you know, same with with teas. Um, I, I got to tell you, 
I love having a cup of coffee with a little bourbon in it. Okay. <laughs> Same. It's a little shot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to give you, you know, so it's going to even you out really, you it, know, <laughs> it, it is. And uh, so we're, we're looking at a bunch of stuff from a standpoint and love for you to visit us. You're, yeah. You guys, Jen, you're in New York. I used to live in New York. I live in Austin now. Okay. And okay. Yeah. Harry and I are in San Antonio. Okay. So love for you to visit us either in Atlanta or at Breckenridge in our Littleton facility. Mm -hmm. um, if you visit us out there, we can do two things there. We could visit you Littleton and I'd love to take you to our Breckenridge um, bourbon distillery and have that bourbon tour and you know, we have an incredible five-star restaurant there mm -hmm. that uh, uh love for you to eat at. So, you know. Yeah. Count us in. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you let us know. You know, let us know when and we'll get the invitation out. Sounds Perfect. great. Awesome. Or if not, uh, come attend our 420 Fest. Yes. Yeah, uh, we're coming up on that. Yes. Uh, which is, we got a lot going on. It's amazing you know, being around 420 and what we're going to drive with that this year. And that that is, again, these integrated sales marketing programs. So it's amazing how our distributors get around 420. And, you know, some of the things last year, you know, I said to Ty one day, hey, we got 420 Sweetwater. Why don't we have Montauk 420? Yeah. And we, you know, within a two weeks, Ty had a Montauk 420 ready to go. And we sold a lot of 420 you know, Montauk beer last year. So I think that's that's one of the things as we look at these events and getting our distributors around that. Um, and how do you get excited? How do you get distributors excited? Depletions, absolutely. But they're looking for new stuff out there. They're looking at how they get the cases on the floor. So yep. anyway. Excuses for, yeah. We're excuses for we're, displays, yeah. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. And when Ty and I walk into a store, we look at a distributor, we count how many displays each distributor has in the store. So <laughs> send them a picture. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. And yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys in the new year and 420 and uh, hope to hear more about that soon as well. Yeah. Great. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. Look what I'm drinking. What is that? It's the White new Claw. Oh, is White it good? Claw N.A. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a good seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would I drink this over LaCroix? Yes. Would I pay four times for it? I don't know. That's the question, right? I did pay for it. So, I mean, honestly, I think there's a market for it. I mean, look at, uh, death water. Yeah, we shall certainly see. So Welcome to BeerNet Radio, the podcast where all your dreams come true. Welcome to the new year. Hello, everybody. How was your uh, holiday break? I'll start with mine. Was, I did nothing. Yeah. Jordan, I know you went to Ireland. I actually found an Irish pub that's right down the street from me. And I've wow. been going in there, but I, I, I've gone in as a civilian. Like I hear them talking about their beer problems and who we're going to call and distributors and seasonals. And I'm, I know the answers to all these questions, but I don't say anything. And then I go in there yesterday with Millicent and Wyatt and the, the bartender starts talking about why they can't get this certain, I won't name the brand seasonal. And, you know, we know a lot about the national beer industry, but nobody knows more about the San Antonio beer business than <laughs> Millicent does. And she goes, Oh, oh, it's because they overordered on Oktoberfest, and so they had too much in inventory, so they didn't make enough of the Christmas beer. And the guy's looking at her going, what? How do you know that? And so, oh, this is Harry, and so now it's all... Oh, like, damn it, you blew cover my blown. spot. Yeah, my, the, my spot is blown. And I think they were tired of me anyway. I kept playing Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon on the jukebox over and over again. Are you still Call doing that? Touch tunes is still it's, going. It's kind of yeah. They have a touch tunes there, and touch tunes is making a comeback. COVID almost killed that company, and I've noticed that the bars are popping back, and I'm glad to see it. That's my Irish pub story. How was uh, taking a baby to Ireland? You know, it actually wasn't that bad. Uh, she handled herself very well on the flights. Of course, they do the long, you know, dinner service and keep the lights on for like three and a half hours, and so no no sleep was had. Um, but then once they actually cut off the lights, she got in her little sleep sack and took a nice little two, Aww. three hour nap. Um, did you 
banker at any time over there? Only in public. <laughs> okay, good. Well, the Irish are known for spanking their children. So <laughs> you were telling me earlier that they have just a much richer beer culture over there. There's just like everybody. Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, we... <laughs> it really was like for as long as we followed the beer industry, um, it really was just like fascinating to see everything. I think a lot of people wish we still had here in the US. I mean, there's pros and cons, right? So there's not a whole lot of exploration. Like there's no flavored malt beverages. I saw maybe like a couple packs of White Claw at a C store and that was it. And most of the pubs are, you know, dominated by either Diageo or Heineken, but you go in there and everybody's drinking beer and not everyone, not just drinking beer, but drinking draft beer. Um, right. And I think one thing they have down, every time I ordered a draft beer, it was never flat, didn't taste off. I mean, they put a lot of time and thought into it and everything comes in branded glassware too. I mean, it didn't matter if you're at the pub, at an airport, we went to um, the horse races and got like disposable cups and I ordered a lager and the guy thought I ordered a Budweiser and started pouring them. And I said, no, 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 that one. And he threw the Budweiser cups away and kind of <laughs> made a face and then started pouring them in the well, see, other they're, branded cup. They're allowed to to give glassware away. And I'm sure it's in <laughs> right. their contract that they have to do it in the right glassware. And that is that is funny. I mean, you're right. It's with Guinness and Smithix. And it, it's, it's also a oligopic oligoptic market. <laughs> Tide houses. Right. T thank you. Tide house. That's Did you go to the Guinness brewery? I did not go to the Guinness Brewery. My brother-in-law said that was um, quite the tourist trap. So yeah. we, uh, <laughs> we did get to go to the oldest bar in Ireland, so they claim. And this guy was just like a marketing genius that found a couple like sticks made with horsehair on the property <laughs> and sent it to the Guinness Book of World Records. And so now they can like claim that they were, I think, the longest operating pub since 900 AD. I was going to say, it has to be like... <laughs> Yeah. Before like 1200, because I know there's bars in Belgium that are still around and yeah. monasteries. Well, Jordan, did you, did you get any trouble when you were over there? Did you get arrested? Because it, it looks like you're in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because he's got a white background. Jordan's calling from Rikers Island. <laughs> Jordan, do you only have 15 but, seconds? Put some more money in the phone so we can have you for the whole 30 minutes. If you choose to accept this call. Yeah, no, there's some <laughs> jokes that could be made. But uh, no, we, we stayed out of trouble for the most part. Yeah. Hey, Jay, were they uh, drinking as much non-alc over there as they say? I didn't. It's hard to tell. Sure. Um, Guinness 0.0, .0 was everywhere mm -hmm. and they kind of had their own little special tap for it um mm -hmm. but you never really knew when anybody was drinking it right um but it was everywhere and mm -hmm. the advertising was off the charts mm -hmm. but i i couldn't tell if people were drinking non-alc or not and no. going back to everyone drinking beer there was nobody like really unruly or seeing anyone get thrown out of the bar because most people were just happy Going to the restroom a lot from drinking. That's just because they have a high tolerance. That's yeah, that goes quite against stereotype. Uh, you, from the movies, you would think otherwise, but you know Hollywood. Yeah, I can't mean, trust them. Of course, they have their Irish whiskey, and you know they have all the liquor bottles turned upside down, ready, ready to pour. Um, but I didn't really see a whole lot of people ordering mixed drinks. Good. So, yeah. Well. <laughs> good. I mean, good. <laughs>